from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. There is a battle raging today that you probably aren't aware of, but you are most definitely a part of it. It's a war that started in biblical times and is destined to last until the end of time. On today's podcast, we'll look at the origins of this war, at the biblical account of the battle between Israel and a nation called Amalek. I have some fascinating insights to share with you about how this battle is taking place in our world today and in your personal life, and how we can finally win it for good. You don't want to miss this. Every week, Jews around the world read and study the same Torah portion known as the Parsha. This week's Parsha is called Beshalach, which means, when he sent out. And it covers Exodus 13.17 through 17.16. In this Parsha, the Exodus story when Pharaoh frees the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. But soon after, Pharaoh regretted his decision and sent his army after them. We all know what happened next. The Israelites were stuck between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea, and then God made a miracle. He split the sea so that the Israelites could pass through while the Egyptians were drowned in the waves. Israel was saved from Egypt, but now they began another stage in their journey and faced new challenges. In the desert, they experienced thirst and hunger, and they complained to Moses. But God took care of their needs. He sweetened the bitter waters and had Moses bring water from a rock. He caused manna to rain down from heaven and sent quail into their camps. At the end of the Parsha, the Israelites experienced yet another challenge. They were attacked by the nation of Amalek. The verses that I want to explore today describe the battle with Amalek. They are Exodus chapter 17, verses 10 through 13, and I'm going to read them to you now. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, the other on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. These verses tell us that while Joshua led the fight against Amalek, Moses went up to a hill and held up his hands. When Moses' hands were raised, the Israelites were successful in their fight against Amalek. But when they were lowered, Amalek had an advantage. Aaron and Hur propped up Moses' hands whenever he was tired so that he was able to keep his hands up all day long until the war was won. This is a very strange description of war, wouldn't you think? Scripture seems to attribute Israel's victory not to Joshua and his army, 
but to the direction of Moses's hands. How is it possible that Moses's hands up on a hill away from the actual battle determined the outcome of the war? The rabbis explained that Moses's hands didn't direct the battle. The people's hearts did. And their hearts were directed by Moses's hands. Let me explain. When Moses's hands were up, the Israelites looked up, literally and figuratively. They looked up towards the heavens and turned to God as their hope and savior. But when his hands were down, their faith was fallen. And without faith, no amount of arrows in the world could defeat the enemy. It seems that God wanted the Israelites and all of us to learn that faith is an unseen force that has a powerful effect on how events unfold in our lives. But why? Why was this the only battle in the entire Bible that was fought in this unusual way? The answer is that Amalek was not like any other nation, and this battle was not like any other battle. Now, I'm not sure how many Christians pay special attention to the nation of Amalek. After all, they are just one of many enemies that attacked Israel in biblical times. But in the Jewish tradition, Amalek is singled out, stands out from all other nations. There are six events that Jews are required to remember every single day. We say them in our prayers, we say them in our learning, and this is what they include. The exodus from Egypt, the revelation at Mount Sinai, and the attack from Amalek that our verses described. And once a year, every man and woman is obligated to come to synagogue for a very special reading of Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 17 through 19, which directs us to never forget what Amalek did to the Israelites as they left Egypt. Everyone goes to synagogue to hear this specific chapter read out loud. We have to hear it. It's so important for our lives today. So, who were the Amalekites? And why are they different than any other enemy who attacked Israel? that we need to remember them so intensely. The Amalekites were the descendants of Esau's grandson, whose name was Amalek. They lived south of the land of Canaan, Canaan, and attacked the Israelites for no reason other than their hatred for Israel and the God of Israel. According to Jewish tradition, the nation of Amalek was the biblical paradigm of evil in this world. They stood for the idea of a godless world, a world where things happen at random and there is no concept of morality or justice. The rabbis explained that the numerical value of the word Amalek is the same as the Hebrew word Safik, which means doubt. This is because Amalek's goal was, and still is today, to sow seeds of doubt causing people to doubt God's existence, his authority, and his involvement in our lives. Now, we can understand why the battle against Amalek had to be fought with faith. It could only be won with faith. The antidote to the evil poison that Amalek injects into the world 
is the faith demonstrated by the nation of Israel. But even though the Israelites won that first battle against Amalek, the war was not over. It continues to this very day. And whether we know it or not, we are all part of it. The Bible tells us that God will be at war with Amalek until the end of time. This is how it's written in Exodus 17, 16. Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. There is something very interesting about this verse when you see it in the original Hebrew. The word kisei, which means throne, has a missing letter. The rabbis explain that this teaches us that as long as the nation of Amalek exists, God's throne is not complete. His kingdom is not fully established until Amalek is completely defeated. And God calls on each of us to do our part in defeating Amalek. In Deuteronomy 25.17, we are commanded to blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. We are called to destroy Amalek so that not even a memory of the nation remains. But what does that mean for us today? Does the nation of Amalek still exist? And if it does, are we required to take up arms to destroy them? According to Jewish tradition, in our times, Amalek is a notion, not a nation. The beliefs and values that Amalek stood for is what we are obligated to uproot from the world. Amalek presents itself in many different ways in our world today. It is the root of anti-Semitism, the irrational hatred of the Jewish people that has led to so much bloodshed over the centuries. It stems from the same hatred that caused the Amalekites to attack the ancient Israelites, even though they posed no threat to them. So, one way that we are called to fight Amalek today is by fighting against anti-Semitism and all irrational hate. Amalek is also in any person or group of people who attack God and try to remove him from the world. People who deny his existence or challenge his authority. So another way to fight Amalek is by standing up for biblical values, for what is true and moral and just. But the greatest threat that Amalek poses in our times doesn't come in the form of an external enemy. It is an enemy that we face within. The war against Amalek is fought in the deepest recesses of our hearts and souls. In Deuteronomy 25.18, the language that the Bible uses to describe Amalek's attack is, they met you on your journey. But in the original Hebrew, these words can also be translated as, they cooled you on your journey. Here's how the rabbis explain the significance of these words. When the Israelites came out of Egypt after seeing the ten plagues and experiencing the splitting of the sea, they were on fire with passion for God. Their hearts were burning with a love and a connection for him. But Amalek came along and cooled you on your journey. They cooled off that fiery faith. 
They attacked the Israelites as if to say, Where is your God now? Amalek's mission, then and now, from outside and from within, is to drive a wedge between us and God, to cool off our relationship with him. Amalek tries to sow seeds of doubt to make us question if God is with us, if he can help us, if he really cares about us. Amalek is that voice that creeps into our head and says, do you really believe that God is in control? It's the voice that makes us fear the future, saying, can you really be sure that God will provide? And it's the voice that tries to convince you that doing the wrong thing just this once is okay, because do you really think that God cares? And what Amalek really thrives on is when we face challenges, when there is a tragedy and it doesn't make sense to us. In Deuteronomy 25, 18, the Bible tells us that Amalek attacked when you were weary and worn out. That's when Amalek strikes. Exactly when we are battered and hurting, that's when Amalek tries to challenge our faith. When we're at our potentially weakest point, Amalek comes and says, there is no God. How could a good God let bad things happen? You might remember a tragedy that happened in Israel last year. It was April, and thousands of Jews joined an annual pilgrimage to the gravesite of a holy rabbi from the second century. This is usually an uplifting, joyful, and spiritual event, but this year it was tragic. Too many people in a narrow passageway caused trampling, and 45 innocent people lost their lives. This was hard for everyone in Israel to grapple with. How? How could such a horrible thing happen, especially on such a holy day, especially at such a holy place? How could so many sweet, innocent men and children lose their lives at an event where they celebrated God? During the week that followed, the entire country of Israel mourned. And I'll never forget an interview that I saw on television with a father we should never know who lost two of his children in the tragedy. He said, Sometimes difficult things happen that we don't understand. I had five sons there. From them, three were saved and two were killed. I told God that entire night when I felt such despair, God, just don't take away my faith. These words, then and now, send chills down my spine. The father spoke then with a shaky voice that made it clear that he was struggling. He was struggling as such a religious, faithful person to hold on to his faith. And who could blame him? He was locked in an intense battle with Amalek, who attacked him when he was weary and worn out, just like the Bible says. But do you know what? With God's help, he won that battle. And in doing so, he struck a harsh blow against Amalek and gave all of us who have heard his story the strength to do the same. 
Like the war fought in Moses' time, we fight the war against Amalek with faith. Amalek attacks by telling us that God is nowhere, and we defeat Amalek by declaring that God is everywhere, even if we can't see him. Rabbi Hanina Barchama, a Talmudic sage in the 3rd century, used to say, No person hurts his little finger without it having been ordered from above. He taught that God's providence extends to every detail of man's life on earth, and nothing happens without his knowledge. The more we integrate this message into our everyday lives, the more we will weaken the remnant of Amalek. But Amalek also attacks us from the inside in a more sinister, less obvious way. One way that Amalek affects us is by making us doubt God. But another way that Amalek affects us is by causing us to doubt ourselves. I'll explain what this means from a story of my own personal experience. One day, when I was about four years old, I was outside with my father watching my sisters ride bikes. Suddenly, my father looked at me and said, Yeah, El, you can do it. You're ready to ride a two-wheeler bike, too. He took off the training wheels, and I got on my bike. He held on to the back of the seat, and while I pedaled, he followed behind and kept the bike steady. We went around the entire block this way. But when we went around a second time, he slowly let go, and I kept going without realizing that I was riding on my own. A few moments later, I realized that my father had let go of the bike. And guess what? As soon as I realized that he wasn't holding me, I totally panicked. And I crashed right into a bunch of bushes. I'm sure my experience wasn't unusual. A lot of kids go through the same thing. Maybe you did too. When we know that a parent is with us, helping us and looking out for us, we have confidence. But as soon as we sense that we are on our own, we doubt our ability to succeed, even though in reality, we still can. When I look back on this experience, I see so many life lessons. One of them is that when we know that God is with us, helping us, protecting us, and cheering us on, we have the confidence to succeed. But as soon as we start to doubt his presence in our life, it directly affects our confidence and our ability to achieve our goals. Sometimes God's presence in our lives is more obvious, and other times he's more hidden. He might let go of the bicycle seat so that we can ride on our own. But God only lets go when he knows that we are ready, and he never, ever stops watching over us. Amalek wants us to believe that God has abandoned us. And if we believe that, if we doubt that God is with us, we will doubt ourselves. And we might fail when we could have succeeded. I'll tell you another story about how I experienced this in my life. Every year I go to the Ukraine to distribute food and supplies to help elderly Jews survive the harsh winter. And every year before I go, I start to have doubts about going. I have doubts about if I'll be safe on the icy roads and in the freezing temperatures. I have doubts about if my kids will be okay at home without me. I have doubts about if my trip really makes a difference in the world. But as soon as I get to Ukraine, 
I realized that those doubts were Amalek trying to get me not to go. It immediately becomes clear that God is with me on my journey and that what I do matters. I'm able to help so many precious souls who might not have survived without the aid I brought them. Amalek is the voice in our heads telling us that we aren't good enough and that we can't overcome our challenges. Amalek whispers in our ears that our actions won't make a difference in the world and that we aren't capable of making good decisions. Our task is to see God even when he is hidden, to have faith that he is with us and by extension to have faith in ourselves. We are fearfully and wonderfully made And God will never ask us to do anything that we aren't capable of. When we know that the master of the world is on our side, we won't doubt our ability to do anything. So far, we've said that we fight Amalek in our times by fighting anti-Semitism, standing up for our biblical values, holding on to faith, and by overcoming self-doubt. But now I want to talk about another important role each of us can play in defeating Amalek in our times. In the biblical battle against Amalek, we saw how the success of the war depended on Moses' hands being raised. When they were raised, the people of Israel had faith and the war was in their favor. And we also learned when Moses' hands were tired and the faith of the Israelites began to fall, Aaron and Hur supported Moses' hands. Without their support, the war could not have been won. Do you get where I'm going with this? Can you get what lesson I get from this? Another lesson that we can learn is that aside from fighting our own battles against Amalek, we need to support each other. We need to support others in their battles too. We need to help others when their strength begins to fall or when their faith begins to fall. I see this support and its effects all the time through the support that Christians give to Israel. The Jewish people have come back to the land of Israel, and we have watched prophecy unfold before our eyes. But our enemies attack us daily with words, with missiles, or with other forms of terrorism. The enemy wants the Jews to lose faith and to give up. The enemy wants us to doubt God's presence and his love. The enemy wants us to feel like God won't protect us. The nation of Israel is engaged in a physical and spiritual battle every single day. Every moment we need to choose between trusting in God or giving up. And we've been fighting for so long. This is why the contribution of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews on behalf of Christians around the world is so essential. Every time we build a bomb shelter, we give the people of Israel not just protection from missiles, but also a boost in morale, reminding them that there is hope and that the words of the Bible are true. Every time Israelis enter a bomb shelter and see the words donated with love by Christians around the world, we are holding up the arms of Israel just as Aaron and Hur held up the arms of Moses in that first battle against Amalek. Here in Israel, we are on the front lines between good and evil, between trust and doubt, between faith and fear. And when Christians show their love and support for Israel, they are here 
fighting with us too. Friends, the final battle against Amalek is happening today. Whether you're holding up the faith of people in Israel or encouraging the faith of a neighbor next door or strengthening your own faith, you are a warrior in the fight for God in this world. Together, I really believe we can defeat Amalek once and for all and witness the complete restoration of God's throne in our times. In Deuteronomy 25.19, we read, You shall blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. This week, consider how you might erase everything Amalek stands for. How can you encourage others and strengthen their faith? How might you strengthen your own faith, especially when you are weary and worn out? Is there a Bible verse that you can turn to? A Bible story that inspires you? A person that you can turn to? And how might you gain confidence by recognizing God's presence in your life? What would you do if you truly believed that God is with you? The battle of faith that Moses began thousands of years ago ends with each one of us. And who knows, perhaps you were born for such a time as this. Shavuot tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.